0: So I want to welcome you to the fourth installation of Mindset. Winning the battles of the mind. Are you winning? Everyone, are you winning? Yes, sir. Hallelujah. I, I really loved what you said earlier today when you said we have to fight the battle of faith actively, not passively. I'm like, wow, the, the man of God is hearing the word of God. And I'm glad that for me, when the word of God impacts your life and your thinking, then i believe that the the lifestyle is going to actually be transformed when we win the battle up here uh, it's going to affect the hands it's going to affect the feet it's going to affect everything about you so it really has to begin with your mindset. we have basically emphasized that uh, the battle of the mind is really an inward thing and jesus said out of the abundance of the heart right so we really have to fix what's on the inside to affect what's on the outside and we understood that there are some thoughts that need to be locked up you cannot allow them to roam free because they're a danger to your faith they're a danger to those around you and so some of them need to be locked up so that they can come under the control and the rule of jesus and then last week I, i helped you to see that God has established a pattern of thinking, right? We lock those thoughts up, yes, but now we let loose some other kind of thoughts. These are thoughts that are true, that are noble, that are pure, that are lovely, that are of good report. These are the kind of thoughts we need to be thinking about because when we think about them, we have the peace of God, Frankie, and the God of peace. Uh, Today, allow me to impress your mind using Romans chapter 12 and verse number one to verse number two. It's a common text. We know this text. So wherever you are, slide, flip, turn to Romans chapter 12 and verse number one to number two. When you are there, well, I can't hear you say amen, but by faith, I believe that uh, you got it. Maybe the room can just tell me amen. amen. And by the way, whether there are two or three gathered... God is there so right here we are having church right here JCC is right here in this room right here I praise the Lord the Bible says I I Paul beseech that is an old word that simply means I appeal to you I am pleading with you therefore I plead with you therefore what it is why is it therefore you'll know in a minute but I beseech you therefore brethren that you and me brothers and sisters by the mercies of God that is because of what God has done for you based upon his love for you I am using it as an appeal I'm using that to inspire you Hmm. why what does he want them to do listen to this that you you that's you and I present your bodies a living sacrifice Now, now notice how he wants it to happen. Holy Elder Irwin. Pam, look at this. Acceptable to God. Frankie, here's a reason. Which is your reasonable service. Verse number two. And do not, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. I'm not talking about transformers here. You understand what I'm saying? But he says, Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Mindset. Right there, mindset. That you, why, why, why? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I've entitled the sermon. Renewed, renewed, let us pray. Father God, we pray that you renew us today. In Jesus' name, amen. The clock ticked 12.45 p.m. I had just finished preaching a sermon entitled think on these things Typically when I am preaching like now my phone is on airplane mode Because I am in the preaching mode and I don't need any other thing to distract my mode So I put it on airplane mode So my phone was on airplane mode and as soon as I finished preaching I turned on my phone to regular mode and like a flood messages flooded my phone different messages but one message flooded my mind and it reminded me that me and a friend we have a particular situation that we need to deal with now, now you know what happens when you are in a bad place with somebody that sometimes you start to think about what you did wrong it's like a movie starts playing in your head okay what did I do wrong what did I say what I what did not I do and in fact you start to make a a defense of yourself how am I going to defend how this happened and how ha- how that happened and how am I going to deal with the Situation now here. I am. I've just talked about think on these things I have just talked about a correct way of thinking, but I am confronted with a situation that has flustered It has a flustered it has shaken up my mind I am not in a place of calm and I'm in a place of distress I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but that sometimes you, you get frustrated, you, 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 you're in traffic, you, you, you have planned to get to the appointment at a specific time, but instead of getting there at a specific time, the traffic is keeping you and you're frustrated or somebody cut you off. But perhaps you can relate to me that sometimes when you have done something spiritual, like me praying, I mean preaching, Sometimes, when you have done something spiritual, you have read the Word of God. You have recited that Bible promise that I will not be anxious for anything. But the moment you start praying, you get a text message or you are met in a situation that just causes you to be in a state of anxiety and in a state of peace. And you're like, wait, 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 wait a minute. I just prayed. I just did something spiritual. Why am I in a situation in which I am not at peace? Why am I not calm? Why don't I have a sense of control over my thinking process or my mind? Why is it that I'm in a situation that I am, I'm worried and, and I'm, I'm sweaty and, and am, I just, I'm, I'm just not at peace and I don't like it? Why am I in that situation? Listen to me that that is normal. And as long as you're living on this planet, I believe that you are going to face situations and experiences like that. That's okay. Now, the reason why I'm telling you this is that the battle of the mind is something that just doesn't happen overnight. It is something that we have to go through consistently, persistently. I believe that the battle... For the mind can only be one if we are renewed. Every Indonesian driver has to renew their license every five years. And now, I know that sometimes the government makes, uh, puts these laws in place because they want to raise the revenue. And so they make us renew our documents uh, because they want to make a little bit extra money. You know, but sometimes the reason why they want you to renew your license, they don't give you a license for life, is because rules on the road change and also regulations change. Those regulations require you to meet those challenges with new skills or your skills need need to be updated Uh, In simple language, they, they need to be renewed in order to meet the changed circumstances. The reason why I believe that our mind needs to be renewed is because changes happen all over us. The weather changes. People change. Circumstances change. And because of that, we need a mind to be able to deal with those things and changing circumstances. That is why our minds need to be renewed. Because renewal rides on the back of change. Yesterday is not the same as today. Last year is not the same as this year, and next year is not going to be the same as this year. What that means is your mindset, how you think must be renewed to meet those changing circumstances. You cannot be facing your life. You cannot be facing your challenges and your difficulties with the same thinking because with the same thinking, it cannot meet the challenges of the moment. And that is why we need to renew ourselves. And in this text, in Romans chapter 12, 1 to number 2, Paul teaches us the importance of a renewed mind. Listen to Paul. He says, I beseech you. Therefore, by the mercies of God that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that why you may prove that good and acceptable will of God. He says, You need to be renewed. You see, in this text, Paul ties together. Belief and behavior. You see, I believe, Frankie, that shoes, as good as they are, should be affordable. So I would never go to Grand Lucky, or not, you don't buy shoes at Grand Lucky but i would never go to grand indonesia and pay for a shoe a pair of shoes for $500 i wouldn't do it because i don't believe that my feet should be wearing a pair, a pair of shoes for $100 for $500 all right because i i believe that so because i believe that shoes should not be that expensive therefore my behavior impacts how i spend my money on shoes you hear what i'm saying So when I go to Grand Lucky and I see a pair of shoes for $500, no matter how much I like that pair of shoes, but I'm not going to talk to my wallet to take an action on that pair of shoes. You understand what I'm saying? Because that is my belief. Maybe you believe that you can wear a pair of shoes for $500, so you're going to talk to your wallet to buy a pair of shoes for $500. But I just don't believe that. So believe... Belief impacts behavior. And so in this text, Paul is tying together belief and behavior. What is that belief? He talks about it in chapter 1 to verse chapter 11. And the belief is about that through Jesus... God has been able to show us mercy. God has been able to change our life. God has been able to bring us from a place of destruction to a place of reconstruction. And one of the famous texts about this belief is that God demonstrated His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is the concept Paul is building upon. And in in verse number one and number two, Paul is bringing these things together. Paul is saying, God has been so good to you through Jesus. Now now notice what God did. Uh, Many of us, uh, we will ask people to reform Before we perform on their behalf. Check this. We will ask people, I need you to behave a certain kind of way if you want me to give you money. I need you to behave a certain kind of way if you want to get a job. But I love God because God performed for us while we were deformed. That is, God sent Jesus while we didn't love him. While we were yet sinners, Jesus died. While we were bad, God showed us good. And that is mercy. We don't deserve that. But we needed it. You see, God is so good to us in that way and so hear me carefully when we embrace the mercies of god we begin the process of renewal now i'm gonna break that down so that you really understand where i'm going with this i beseech you paul says by the mercies of God, You see, the mercies of God are his ways of showing to us compassion when we have been rebellious against his revelation. You see, God would reveal to Adam and Eve, I don't want you to eat the fruit. I don't want you to touch this tree, revelation. But what did Adam and Eve do? <laughs> they rebelled against the revelation and they ate the fruit anyway. Now, what God was supposed to do is to destroy them. But God says, no, I'm not going to destroy them. I'm going to send my son. And that's how God treats you and I. Sometimes we know the revelation of God, but we disobeyed anyway. We know we shouldn't lie, but we lie anyway. We know we should give back, but we don't give back anyway. Revelation, rebellion. But God says, even though they rebel, I'm going to show them my mercy. Look at Paul talk about Rebellion in the midst of God's revelation. He says, for you were once disobedient, rebellious to God. Yet now you have obtained mercy through their disobedience. Allow me to put it to you like this. God doesn't focus on your faults. He focuses on your felt needs. God doesn't look at your rebellion He focuses on your redemption. God doesn't look at how bad you are. He looks at the good that you need in your life. That's how good God is. And now you see, you and I, we need to ask people to reform before we perform for them. Because it's a way of protecting ourselves. And there is a place for that. It's good to punish and that's okay. But you see, God understands something that we don't fully understand. Is that without his stepping in, there is no way we can step up. Without him coming through for us, there is no way that we can come through for him. He must create the way in order for us to walk the way. He must stand in for us so that we can stand up for him. Unless he takes the step. There is no way we can take a step. That is the grace of God. Now you may tell me, Pastor, are you saying that I can live my life any way that I choose because God did it for me? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that God turned a blind eye. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that God did not hold us to account. I'm not saying that. But God did not hold us to account because Jesus gave us a discount. Because Jesus was able to step in. That is why you and I can also step up. Because Jesus died. That is why you and me can also experience the grace of God. And so you see right here, I believe it is the mercy of God uh, that is functioning. Now you see in baseball, Pam, baseball is you get three chances to hit a ball in order to move on to the next base. If you don't hit a ball in three tries, you are out. But I love the fact that Paul says, I beseech you by the mercies of God. That is, God's mercy is not three strikes and you are out. That is, God's mercy is unlimited. That is, God does not say he did it again, she did it again. No, God is able to give you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. He is able to tell you, you can hit this ball one more time. And I'm glad that God's mercy God's mercy is unlimited because when I look at my life I realize that I have abused and misabused misabused, abused uh, the mercy of God. I look at my life how sometimes I struggle with doubt, disbelieving his very word. I look at my life that sometimes I struggle with certain habits that I should let go of. I look at my life that sometimes I am dishonest. I look at my life that sometimes I am, I am I am not as faithful as I need to be I look at my life that sometimes I speak in a, in, a, in, a in, an, in an incorrect way I look at my life that sometimes I misrepresent God but I'm glad that with God it's never over for me Amen. and when God looks at your life it's not over for you no matter how you feel When God looks at your doubt, it's not over for you. When you say, oh, I did it again, it's not over for you. Because God is that merciful. Now, when you and I embrace the mercies of God, that is what begins the process of renewal. Why? Because you look at your life and you say, you know what, God, you're so good. How do I now respond to this mercy? I don't run from it. I embrace it. I I hug it. I take it in because God has taken me in. Because God has been so good to me. And that's what you need to understand, that unless you embrace the mercy of God, there is no way that you can change. Isn't it so true that if somebody shows you mercy, it impacts you to want to do better? Isn't it so true that you were late in paying your bills, but your comp- your, the billing company did not charge you uh, a late fee? because they understand that it is a pandemic, uh, and they understand that things are hard. So so what you do is you, you make an effort to try to pay your bills on time the next time. Isn't it so true that if the policeman lets you go, you're going to drive better? Isn't it so true when a teacher gives you more time to do the assignment, you're going to actually get on it? Isn't it true that when, when somebody shows you love, you want to show love back? When somebody shows you kindness, you want to show kindness back? Because kindness begets kindness love begets uh, love and that's here that's what i'm trying to tell you that when you embrace the mercy of god is what begins you to be renewed to be transformed I, i you know what you 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 see this relationship play out in in the relationship between a player and a coach You see, a a player realizes that a coach has something that I don't have. They have wisdom. They have experience. They know the game. They have trained other players. I don't have greatness yet. I haven't developed my skills yet. I am not where I need to be yet. And so a player decides to join a team. A player decides to hire a coach because a a coach has something that the player doesn't have. When we look at God, we see that he has something that we don't have. He has righteousness. We ain't got that. He has goodness. We ain't got that, but we want that. Therefore, what we do is we join his team. So the mercies of God are his way of saying, I want you to join my team. I don't need you to pay me. I will coach you for free. I will help you for free. I will do this for free. So he's not there to manipulate us. He's not there to take advantage of us. He simply wants to make us better. If you see that God is trying to manipulate you, take from you, grab from you, then you don't know God yet. If you feel like God is so harsh and and so difficult and and he just, mm, God God is not who I thought he was, you don't know God yet. If you feel that God is so mean and you can't trust him and and you're angry at him, you don't know God yet. Because God... Doesn't want to take from you. God wants to give to you. God wants to make you better. Uh, You see a person who embraces the mercy of God. Gives themselves over to God. That is they, they, they sacrifice. They let go of their own will. They let go of their own thinking, they let go of their own plans, they sacrifice those and they give them over to God. Have you ever um, uh, given somebody a gift or done a gift exchange, and then when you've exchanged a gift, Gun, you realize that they gave you a better gift than you gave them? They gave you a pair of shoes and you gave them a gift card to, to shop in, in the mall of a hundred thousand. They, they paid for a pair of shoes for 1.5 million. You gave them a gift card for a hundred thousand. You're like, wait a minute, your gift is way better than mine. I feel like you have outgiven me. Listen to me right here. You see, through the sacrifice of Jesus, God has outgiven us, and that is why. God, Paul says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Why? Because the only way God could show us mercy is through sacrifice. And the only way we respond to that mercy is through sacrifice. And God is saying, look at what Jesus did. Look at what he gave. Can you not also respond in kind and give over of yourself? Jesus was a dead sacrifice. God is saying, I want you to be a living sacrifice. Uh, It's like somebody telling you, look, I'll pay for the trip. I'll pay for your transportation. I'll pay for your room and board. All I need you to do is to come. That's what God did. He he said, "I, I got everything covered. I just need you to come. I just need you to embrace what I have done. And so every time you look at the cross, when you think of Jesus, you need to remember he gave more than you can ever give. And he doesn't want you to feel bad like, oh man, Lord, I can't give a sacrifice like you gave. He doesn't want you to feel bad because he knows you can't give. God looks at you like a beggar on the street. He looks at you as somebody who cannot pay back. And he doesn't need you to pay back. All he needs you to say to do is, Lord, I am yours. I live for you. That is why Paul is saying, I I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. God wants your body. Now, now, Now you see in the Old Testament... Putra, when people brought an animal for sacrifice, it had to be perfect. It had to be without blemish because God was perfect. And so it had to be spotless and nice and clean. But here, when you look at this text, God is saying, I want you to present your bodies as living sacrifices. Now, uh, Pam, when I look at my body, I see love handles. Uh, when I look at my body, I see that my hair is balding. When I look at my body, I see that sometimes I'm given over to appetite. When I look at my body, I see that sometimes I, 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 I stutter. When I look at my body, I see that sometimes I, I get tired. When I look at my body, I see that sometimes I, I, am, I am weak and I'm, I'm tired. My body is not a, a perfect sacrifice. But yet God says, I want your body anyway. It's not good enough, but I want it anyway. I want you to give me your body because your body is the means in which I am able to live in. Your body is the means in which I am able to function in. I'm no longer living in buildings. I'm living in you. You, perfect as you are, I'm willing to live in you. That is the mercy of God. I'm glad that God doesn't look at my imperfections. I'm glad that God doesn't look at my deformities. I'm glad that God doesn't look at my blemishes. I'm glad that God sees me for what I can be, not what I am. So God tells me, my mercy is there for you. But you embrace my mercy when you are willing to give me your body. When you are willing to say, you know what, Lord? This body, I'm not going to use it for sin. I'm not going to abuse this body, Lord. I'm going to take care of it. I'm not going to overwork it. I'm not going to overeat it. I'm not going to overstress it. I will give you my body. Why? Because my body is the means in which I can communicate the gospel through. Mm. My body is the means in which I can share the love of Jesus through. You see, it is harder to live for Jesus than to die for Jesus. It is easy to say, Lord, I'm going to die for you, but it is a lot harder to live for him. You know what I'm talking about. It is a lot harder to pray. It is a lot harder to serve God. God understands that. But he's saying to you and I, only when you give me your body and you live for me, then can I truly be glorified in you. I don't need you to die for me as much as I need you to live for me because when you live for me, you can let others know about me. So, I want you to take my mercy, but I want you to give me your body. Yes, God wants, needs, and deserves your body. That is the place you need to begin if renewal is to happen in your life. That is the place you need to begin if you want to see yourself renewed, transformed and changed. That is a place you need to begin. It's a place of a sacrifice. Now, now, you might tell me, Pastor, uh, sacrifice uh, is too difficult. But, but listen to how one writer puts it. And I love what she says. But what do we give up when we give all? What do you really give up when you give to, to God? What do you give up? What are you really giving to God? Pa- pa- Pam, look at this. What are you giving? Is says, a sin-polluted heart? For Jesus to purify. To cleanse by his own blood. To save by his matchless love. And yet men think it hard to give it up. You're not giving up anything. You're giving God everything that is bad. And he's giving you everything that is good. So if we are to be renewed. We need to begin at the place of sacrifice. That's how we respond to the mercies of God. That begins the process but renewal cannot happen unless there is a transformation, and this is what Paul is talking about in the next verse when he says, "And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." Mm. Frank, I like I like I like when you when you say it like that. Mm. I'm feeling it. He's like, "Mm, Pastor, I'm feeling it. (laughs) I'm feeling it too, my brother. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the room of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Paul is saying, not this, but this. Not this confirmation. Or being conformed to the world. But this, being transformed. There are two ways you're going to live. You're going to be conformed to this world. Or you're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When something is conformed, it follows a specific pattern. It follows a specific mode. And so Paul is saying, do not be conform do not follow a specific mode do not follow this specific pattern we live in a world of patterns when you go to the airport there is a pattern you get into the airport and you go through security, you go through check-in, then you clear immigration, then you wait at your gate, you enter the plane, you put your luggage in the store away, you sit in your seat, and then they will tell you take, take uh, all the safety precautions, and then the plane is going to taxi off, and then you're going to be off, and then you get to your destination. That is a pattern. When you go to the bank, there is a pattern, you get a receipt and you wait in line and then you call, you do a transaction and then you leave. That is a pattern. When you want to travel, you order on grab. For some of us like me, and then you wait for your car. It comes, and then it picks you up, drops you off. That is a pattern. We live in patterns. Paul is saying, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't be conformed. And now, this concept of of, of of, of being conformed to this world, Paul wasn't saying you should avoid uh, riding on a grab car or uh, you should avoid going to the bank or you should avoid traveling by plane because to avoid those things would make life practically impossible to live. Do you get what I'm saying? I like traveling on a plane. Mm-hmm. I like going to a bank and doing a transaction. You know what I'm saying? I like using a grab car. I like those patterns because they are good and they are efficient. You understand what I mean? But what Paul is trying to get at is we must avoid trends of thinking in our time which violate what God says. That's what he's talking about when he says this world. Because he's not talking about the six continents and the 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 the, the world as we know it. He's talking about... Uh, specific period of time the world that the world was different today the world is different today than it was in the time of Jesus you get what I mean in the time of Jesus they used to walk on foot and they would ride horses in our time we get to ride trains and we get to ride airplanes and we get to ride cars so times have changed but here what Paul is actually emphasizing is That not only have times changed in in the sense of technology. But also in the sense of what people are thinking about. They have changed. How people thought in the time of Jesus. And how people think in our time is totally different. In the time of Jesus they they believed that there was God. But today we talk about. Hey. Whatever suits you. However you see God. That's your thing. Uh, Today we have redefine what it means uh, to, to be married. And now people of the same sex can get married, for example. So the patterns of thinking is different. Back in the day, you know, women stayed at home and they, they, they took care of the, of, of the home. Now today, people, women go to work. There's nothing wrong with that. But the point is, uh, Paul is saying, when the patterns of thinking of your times do not correlate do not support what god is teaching and god is telling you that is what you must avoid you cannot think like that you cannot live like that why because it's gonna get in the way of your faith and god knows that for some of us our thinking about god how we see faith is not the way it should be you understand what i'm saying our thinking is more shaped by Hollywood than God's word. What we see in the movies, laughing that's, that's the truth. How we, we think love should be is not what we read in the Bible. We saw it in the movies. A guy likes a girl, he brings up flowers, you know, love us first sight, and everything is, you know, <laughs> a happy ending. The Bible says, you're in sin. She's in sin. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be challenges. That's what our Bible teaches. And God knows that some of our thinking ha- has been shaped by those around us, what they tell us. And so Paul is saying, You have to avoid thinking that does not suit my mold and my pattern. Because God understands that if we're not careful with how we think, it forms who we are. And so Paul says, You must avoid. Being conformed to this world, but he says, be transformed. You must change. Uh, the word here is metamorphosis. And if you've watched those uh, Transformer movies, or everyone, you know what happens? You, you see this, uh, uh, for example, Optimus Prime, you have this truck, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, the Decepticons appear, and then Optimus Prime transforms himself, and he, he, he's something different. So here, transformation is talking about a change. But for many of us, transformation is something that is on the outward. Uh, we see a person shade weight. We see a person is dressing a little bit differently. Transformation. We see a house renovated. That's transformation. But Paul is not saying be transformed on the outward. He is saying be transformed in your mind. Here transformation should be in the mind. Why? Because outward transformation is a lot easier than inward transformation. If I want to lose weight, I just read books on dieting. I just reduce my calories. Caloric deficit. You know what I'm saying? And if I follow that diet for a specific period of time, I exercise the right way, I will see my body trimmed down. You get what I mean? But inward transformation that involves the way I think, the way I see things, is not easy, Is difficult, it's challenging. And Paul says, don't worry though, I have a solution for you. Because according to Titus, he says, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Hey, Paul is saying, without the Holy Spirit, you cannot be transformed. Without the Holy Spirit, there can be no lasting transformation. Let me bring it closer to you. Sometimes you tell yourself, I need to do better in my job. I need to be more patient. Uh, I need to treat so-and-so better. Or I want to read better. Right? You desire transformation. You, you desire change. So what do you do? You, you talk to friends. Hey, listen, I want to read more. What do you think I should do? Oh, I, I think that you should schedule uh, your reading every day. At a specific time, you know, start small, about 10 minutes a day, you know, and then do that every day. Then it's going to grow. Oh, yeah, that, that's a good idea. So what you do is you go on your calendar, you schedule 20 minutes, and then you start reading. It go, it's going good for the first week. You're feeling it. I'm, I'm, this is nice. But the second week, you don't have the desire to read anymore. And you skip the reading. And before you know it, five days have gone by you haven't read. You know, I want to be more patient. So you, you read books on patience, you know, and then and then when you're waiting at the line, you know, before you're like, ah, hurry up. But now you, you say, I'm going to be patient, you know, oh, this is nice, you know. The first day, you're patient. The second day, you're patient. The third day, you're patient. But the fourth day, somebody bumps you, you're no longer patient. You, you know what I'm saying? So yes, we desire Transformation. Oh, I'm going to exercise. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Transformation. We, we want to be changed, but yet it doesn't last. You know why? Because a lot of times we are focused on the behavior. We are focused on the outward transformation. We are focused on the, the result more than the process. And I need you to know today that God has never asked you to be transformed by yourself. God has never said, change yourself. God has never said, do this by yourself. God has never asked you to do that. Transformation belongs to God. He is the one who must make that happen in your life. And unless... He is the one who is working in your life. Transformation will not last. You keep going back to the same thing. You keep going back to the same old habits. You keep going back to the same old patterns. Unless he is the one who is working in your life, it will not not last. Because Paul is saying you must be renewed inside of you. You must be changed inside of you. What's messed up with you is what's inside of you. And and Paul says, or Isaiah says, not Isaiah, Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful. There's nothing good in us. All my righteousness is filthy rags. Somebody told me yesterday, Pastor, you have a kind heart. I said, well, thank you. But the truth of the matter is, I'm not kind in my core unless God has done put that kindness in me. You feel me? I am not righteous at my core unless God implants righteousness in me. I'm not loving unless God puts loving love in, in me. So unless God puts it in you, it will not happen. Because a transformation is a symptom. Hmm, I'm coming, Uh, I'm coming, I'm coming. Transformation is a symptom. Now I'm not talking about COVID symptoms here, but I'm talking about a symptom. It's an outcome of something else. And that outcome is this, it's the understanding, It's it's the belief that God is the one who works in me. And when I believe like that, I have now the, the express need or the feeling in my heart that I cannot do this for myself. Therefore, that feeling or that need drives me to God. I don't think you heard me. Oh, I'm coming. You see, let me go back to my example of the shoes. Because I believe that I shouldn't pay $500 for shoes. Guess what? I feel that shoes is too expensive. Therefore, I am not going to buy the shoes. So what I believe affects how I feel and then affects what I do. So when I believe that God is the one who can do this for me, I feel that I need to go to him. And when I go to him, guess what happens? He now changes my life and I become what I need to be. Many of us, we are trying to be righteous by keeping the law. Failure. Many of us are trying to be righteous by doing good. Failure. Many of us are trying to be righteous by serving God. Failure. You are only going to succeed when you say, God, I have nothing good in me. I have nothing good in me. You have everything I need. I submit to you, oh God. I can't do this, oh God. I have so many weaknesses, oh God. Please change me. Then change is going to happen. Then you're going to see yourself loving. You're going to see yourself transformed. You're going to see love come in. Pride go out. You're going to see love come in. Selfishness go out. Love going to come in. And anger going to go out. Love going to come in. And (laughs) a lack of self-control going to go out. Because God is going to plant it in you. There is a reason why we call it the fruit of the spirit. Because you know what happens with fruit? Fruit. Is a natural process of something that has been planted. And when something has been planted, it simply remains in the soil and then it produces the fruit. That's what you and me need to do. And only the Holy Spirit can do that for us. But watch out now. Watch out. Watch out. Please watch out. Pastor Johannes, watch out. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. I called him out. My brother is here. Amen, Pastor Johannes. Now watch out. Watch out. Watch out. Look at this. Paul says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, glory to glory, step by step, process by process. Transformation is not an instant thing. It's not instant noodles. It is not into me. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) <laughs> Frankie it ain't instantaneous it is continuous day by day we are being transformed we're being renewed that is why your spirituality is not a sprint it is a marathon mm. yes that's right the problem is many of us we are sprinters but we haven't developed the, 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 the tact and the ability to pace ourselves. A steady pace, my friends, wins the race. Uh, let me bring it down to you so you can understand. You see, when you sprint in your spiritual life, is when you're inspired by a sermon, it, it, it helps you for one week. But after one week, it's over. But when you're running... When you've heard a sermon, or that sermon, you're going to remember it for a whole year. See, when you're running a marathon spiritually, you make sure that every day you deposit into your spirituality, consistent in your prayer, attacking anything that is getting in the way of your reading of the Word of God, making sure that God is essential, God is the center of your life, because you understand That man, today, yesterday I succeeded. But today, mm, I don't know what's waiting for me. Let me tell you something. What happens physically also happens spiritually. I'm giving you something here. This is free. You don't have to pay for this. When you eat today, you cannot survive on what you ate today, tomorrow. No matter how good it was, everyone. No matter if it was your favorite meal. It will not allow you to survive tomorrow. You need to eat breakfast again. You need to eat lunch again. You need to eat dinner again. So the way we apply our our life physically, we need to apply spiritually. I prayed yesterday. I fasted yesterday. I served yesterday. Lord, that was yesterday. Today is another day. Help me again to live for you. And so when we're living like that, glory to glory. I hope you can show the text again. Glory to glory. We are being transformed and we're being renewed. And when we have been renewed, I'm bringing it home now. When we're being renewed, we can prove what the will of God is. When you have been renewed, you now can prove what the will of God is. Uh, Paul says... And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. When you want to buy a car, what do you do? You prove it. You test drive it. When it is a new product in the store, maybe it's a, a, a new flavor of chips, what do you do? You prove it. You taste it. The reason why you do that is because you want to know if it's genuine. Now, let me put it out there. Some things you should never prove or test drive. You understand what I'm saying? Some things you only experience when you get there. But there are some things that you need to prove them to know the reality and how genuine they are. So Paul is saying, I hope you're showing this on the screen, that you may prove the will of God. Because we live in a world that has many wills. Your your family has their own will. People you work with have their own will. People around you have their own will. The devil has his own will. But you need to live by the will of God. So when you are confronted with the will, what you need to do is to prove it to ensure, is this the will of God? Now, when your mind has been transformed, when it has been renewed, what you will be able to do is to know, yes, Lord, I need to go. You'll be able to know, no, Lord, I shouldn't do because you have been changed. You no longer function on an earthly uh, uh, sound wave. You now connect with heaven. You you talk with God. You, you know his mind now. You can relate to him. We, we, you can connect with him because the truth is, not everything that comes for you or to you or knocks on your door is God's wish for your life. Not every business proposal is God's will for your life. Not every partnership is God's will for your life. Not every purchase. Is God's will for your life. Not every vacation is God's will for your life. I don't know if I'm preaching to somebody. You don't live for you. Because the mercies of God have allowed you to sacrifice yourself to him. You're now a living sacrifice. Therefore, you live for God. You live for him. So we need to know the will of God. But it can only happen... our minds have been transformed. People ask me, Pastor, I don't know what God's will is for my life. And I respond, I don't either. (laughs) I don't either. Because only you can know God's will for your life. Should I take this job? I don't know. Ask God about it. Should I date? I don't know. You ask God about it. Pastor, pray for me. I'll pray for you. You understand what I'm saying? I will pray for you. Please believe. You come to me, I'll pray for you. But I don't know what God wants for you. And that's what Paul is trying to teach us. That a renewed mind allows us to be to be, to be more mature in faith. To be more responsible for the decisions that we make. To really understand what God desires for us. Our lives, and so it's only when it's only when we know the mind of God that we can prove the will of God. It's only when we know the mind of God that's when we can prove the will of God. Uh, let me bring it to you like this: I, I have understood this through sports. One of the things that uh, you learn pretty quickly when you're playing on a sports team. I, I, I was on this team back in college. Pastor Johannes, you remember, C-O-T. I was on this team back in college, and, and, and one of the things you quickly know when you're playing on a, on a team is that a coach will let you know his mind. He will train you in specific drills. He will teach you specific plays right at practice. That's why we practice, so you can know the mind of the coach. So that when you're playing the game, you're not playing the game using your own mind. You're playing the game using the mind of the coach. Because he has trained you what plays you should run. Hear me carefully. You and I also need to know the mind of God. So that we can know how we should act. We can know how we should live. The only way that happens is if we get God, as our coach, you know how God coaches you? God coaches you through his word. He lets you know his mind. Therefore, when, you, when, you, when you're confronted with two decisions, should I go here, should I go there? God will give you exactly what you should do. He will tell you how you should handle your life. He will tell you how you should play the game of your life. So a renewed mind knows the will of god let me tell you to you like this as i wrap this thing up you see we need to prove the will of god so that we don't allow others to do spiritual thinking for us your pastor shouldn't have to think for you a book shouldn't have to think for you reading a devotion shouldn't have to think for you you need to be able to think for yourself That is, Lord, I'm going to understand your word for myself. Lord, I'm going to understand what you think for yourself. This doesn't mean you don't ask people for advice. But before you go to people, you always go to God. And when it's like that, you're going to be able to understand what is that good, what is that acceptable and perfect will of God. Your life is going to be lived in such a way that it is going to be perfect. Pleasing to him. I don't know about you brothers and sisters. I want to be renewed. The mercy of God are so good. And I want to be transformed. Because I want to prove the will of God. I want to live my life knowing that I'm in step with God. I want to live my life knowing I'm doing what's right. I want to live my life knowing that I'm headed in the right direction. And you can too. You can know God's will for your family. You can know God's will for your finances. You can know God's will for your relationships. You can know God's will for your career. God can tell it to you. And you can live a life that is transformed, that is renewed, that is changed to the glory and honor of jesus let's be renewed let us pray father god thank you thank you may your name be praised and glorified today renew us renew us this i pray in jesus mighty name amen god bless you see you next week